Welcome to Romance in Color. I am your host, Tatiana, one half of the duo here at Romance in Color. And thank you for joining us once again uh, for our Writing in Color uh, series. This is episode five of Writing in Color. Um, And so glad that you all are still sticking with us, enjoying the conversations that we're having with authors. Um, Got a lot of positive feedback about uh, last week's episode with Mina Wahid. A lot of folks um, inboxed me and were telling me uh, to let her know that uh, she's brave, she's seen, she's important, and that uh, we look forward to her work. Um, But this conversation is going this week. Um, is with another uh, author, another modern Indian woman, uh, Sophia Singh Sasson. Um, she writes under the Harlequin imprint, and she has several books, and she has a new book coming out in August. And um, we talked about so much. Uh, we talked about uh, her love of Bollywood and Nancy Drew, uh, balancing her life as a doctor of public health and having three kids, which includes a set of twins, y'all. She also talked about her life as a world traveler. She's lived all over the world. She speaks many different languages, and she's just an amazing, interesting person um, to uh, talk to. Um, I hope you all enjoyed our recommendations uh, for movies um, as well, and our watching romance series, and I'll give you another um, recommendation at the end of this episode. Uh, But for now, uh, no time to waste. Let's get started and listen to our interview with Sophia Singh Sasson about being a Harlequin uh, romance writer and what it means to be a modern Indian woman telling modern Indian woman stories. All right, take a listen. Hi, Sophia. Thank you so much for uh, joining our podcast. Um, Thank you for being one of our featured authors here for our Writing in Color series that we're doing to kind of close out our season of the podcast. And so I'm super, super excited um, to talk to you um, and learn more about you and your writing and writing as like a Harlequin romance imprint writer. Um, and so I have like a ton of, ton of questions. So, but from your bio, I'm so fascinated because you seem like a super duper world traveler. Like you've been everywhere. (laughs) And so, and you've lived in a whole bunch of places. And so tell us about yourself and how like your kind of, um, world traveler nature has come to inform yourself as a romance writer. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this amazing series. Um, I'm so very honored. So my name is Sophia Singh Sasson. Um, and as you mentioned, I'm primarily published uh, by Harlequin. And I write romance, everything from sweet to very, very hot. Uh, <laughs> almost all of it extremely spicy. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was born in India um, and I lived there for a number of years and then my parents moved to Spain so I've lived there as well Mm. Then they moved to India uh, I'm sorry to Canada so I've lived there and then I moved to the States and uh, right now I live in 
the madness of Washington, D.C. Um, <laughs> I love to I love to travel. Um, and so I have been to a lot of places um, and have just explored um, a lot of this country as well as other countries. Um, it's one of the things, you know, I do in the name of research. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. And so these experience, it seems like all these experiences have kind of shaped you. And so one of the other, um, it's funny, one of the other um, persons that I talked to for the podcast was Mona Shaw. And yeah. um, it was funny. I was made the joke. I was like, um, so I know you're, you're a child of, of, of immigrants. And I said, I know, I know as a person who's married to a child of immigrants that, um, <laughs> they're the main things that they want you to do is be scientist, doctor, engineer, lawyer. So anything beyond those things would be like, what, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> what do you think you're doing? And so she was like, that is totally true. And so I want to know, cause I know your background, you're also a scientist in public health. So how in yes. the world did you come across being, getting into romance writing and trying to balance that with like your, your career? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I am actually an immigrant. I was born oh. outside this country. Yes. Um, I be- I actually became a Canadian citizen first and now I'm a, a U.S. citizen. So mm. I am a, I am the first generation. Mm. Um, I speak, I speak my language Hindi um, native fluently. Mm-hmm. And yes, for my parents, there was only one choice. You will become a doctor. <laughs> there, there yeah. was no there was no other other choice um, mm-hmm. and so I actually became a scientist on the path to becoming a doctor right so as I went through my college life I realized that I am just never going to make a good doctor right? <laughs> let, let, let's leave that to people that that um, are better suited to it so I ended up sort of finding my way to public health um, instead of that and and getting a a doctorate in public health. It's very similar to a PhD Um, Mm -hmm. and becoming a public health scientist. um, Instead, my parents were very, very disappointed just to let you know. Oh, wow. And then, and yeah, the standards we immigrants have to meet. Right. And then, um, (laughs) you know, I've, I've been writing romance probably since I was a child, since I started mm-hmm. reading them. Mm-hmm. And I just never thought I was good enough to do anything more than write for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as I got older and older and as I got more settled in my career and mm-hmm. I mentored people as a professional scientist and heard myself telling them that they should have more faith in themselves, mm-hmm. I realized I should do the same for myself. And so I thought, let me take a crack at writing professionally. Right. Um, and that's how I started finally sending out some of my manuscripts into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a lot of rejection. Mm. Um, but again, as a scientist, one of the things you learn is to take rejection and take it well. Right. Um, so I, I didn't give up. And uh, 2016 was when my debut book came out, although it was accepted about a year and a half before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I started my professional writing career. And yeah. each year I try and spend a little bit more time writing and a little less time doing my day job. And <laughs> one day I hope it'll get to a hundred percent writing. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So when you were younger, when, I always ask all the, all the authors that I've talked to, when, when was the moment that you first fell in love with like romance novels? Do you remember that time or, or a book or something like that, that kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, you know, when I was young, I loved reading those Nancy Drew series. Mm. But what I loved most about it was not just the mystery, but her relationship with Ned Nickerson. And I was always so disappointed in those books that they never went anywhere. They never got their happily ever after. And it seemed like such unrequited love. (laughs) So, um, And then I discovered that my mom reads these Mills and Boons. And so I started stealing them from her. I was like 11 or 12 at the time. Um, <laughs> and that's how I discovered and fell in love with romance. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And so the the right now, you're also working full time. You're writing. And then I also you have twin, three kids, a set of twins. And uh-huh. oh, my yep. gosh. And a daughter. Yep. Oh my gosh, I, I have a four-year-old and I cannot, and I'm trying, and I'm also, I also work full-time as well as a university administrator. So I'm just like, I don't even know, I, trying to balance time to write with one kid, let alone three kids. How on earth are you doing, how on earth are you doing this? And, and, you know, what does, you know, the writing process look like for you trying to balance all these things going on? Oh my God, I'm insane. Uh, and I feel it every day. Um, you know, for, for me, writing is actually stress relief. Um, mm-hmm. It really, it really is. Um, it's an escape for me. Um, so I, I don't see it as work, um, mm-hmm. first of all. And I think that helps a lot because mm-hmm. I do it primarily on what I call personal time. It's, I write at night. Uh, so my day job is done. My second job as a mom is done. The kids are put to bed. Um, and we have an 8 p.m. bedtime in my house. And then after the kids are gone, there's silence. There's sweet golden silence. And <laughs> that's when that's when I write. Um, mm-hmm. And but I dream all the time. So a lot of times I'm, you know, whether I'm I'm in a boring meeting at work or I'm doing laundry or cooking for the kids, like my characters are talking to me in my head. And so a lot of times mm-hmm. I kind of formulate what I'm going to write um, at all times. And then when I sit down to write, that's, that's my time to put it on paper. It's mm-hmm. certainly not easy. And I'm not as prolific as uh, a lot of writers. Um, at best, I can do two manuscripts uh, a year. And that's really at best. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's one or less. Um, and there are times when I've had to take a break. I actually took a break for over a year uh, when there was just too much going on uh, in my personal life. Uh, to really dedicate the time uh, to some uh, to a contracted work and meet meet the deadline. So, mm-hmm. you know, as writers, we love what we do and we make time for it as hard as it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think particularly the romance genre, like if you were in any other genre, do you think you would have that type of flexibility, like within deadlines and things like that? I think I don't know. I mean, I'm asking because I mean, romance is so woman centered. And I, I just feel like that the industry itself kind of maybe lends to understanding that women have these multifaceted roles and that now that you're able to kind of like, they understand that you're able, you may have to balance these things in your life and you may not meet those deadlines. Maybe, but you know, I, 
I generally tend to meet my deadlines. Again, as a scientist, I'm very deadline oriented. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just, I just don't sign a contract. So if I know I can't meet it, I just don't mm-hmm. sign it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have experience with other genres outside of romance to know whether they're a lot more cutthroat um, mm-hmm. than ours. But I certainly do appreciate what you're saying about our genre that, Everyone that I've ever worked with, from agents to editors to other authors, there is sort of a warm fuzziness uh, about our community that I absolutely enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's t- kind of talk about um, the community and publishing and the whole process and you working with Harlequinage, which is like the gold standard of romance novels. How did that come about and how did you kind of... Um, how was the publishing process that led you to getting, you know, to working with Harlequin books? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I told you I grew up reading Mills and Booms. And so mm-hmm. it's always, it, it, it's always been a dream of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I started, you know, with querying, uh, with sending out queries. But at the time that I started, Harlequin also had this great online writing community that I joined to meet other writers. Um, I joined Facebook groups. Um, I started following people on Twitter just Mm -hmm. to begin to understand kind of how the writing community works, how the Mm -hmm. process works. Um, And at that time, I was also very lucky that Harlequin was running there. So you think you can write contests. And I entered that uh, a couple of times. I didn't win any time, but I did get requests for my manuscripts, which was amazing because I submitted them, I got feedback, it let me really hone my craft, get better at my craft. I went to writing conferences. Um, And then I started, I entered a writing contest from Harlequin. Mm -hmm. And the prize for that writing contest was getting mentorship from an editor. Mm -hmm. And that really was kind of the key to starting my career. Um, So I submitted a manuscript that I had been working on uh, for a while. The um, that's what won me the contest. The editor worked with me. She gave me such great advice. Um, And then she uh, offered me a contract for that book. Um, And and then that led to me pitching more books, more ideas and more contracts. Wow. I think sometimes writers kind of like when they see contests, they're kind of like, whatever, I'm, I don't want to enter that. But now I think you've proven that it, it may be worth a shot to kind of take a look at those con- contests because you never know where they could lead. Because I think people kind yeah. of get discouraged like, oh, my God, there's a one in a million chance that somebody will take a look at what I'm doing. But I think yeah. you've proven that, hey, there's there are people out there looking at a diverse amount of writing they want to see what people are doing. And these contests are a good gateway for that. Wow. Yeah, you know, I I would say look for contests, look at who's judging those contests. Mm -hmm. If there are editors out there, agents out there that are judging those contests, even if you don't win the contest, you may catch someone's eye. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think they're very valuable from that perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt the same way, you know, the first few I entered, I was like, I got nothing. I didn't even final, but (laughs) then I got requests for manuscripts. So Mm. you know what? To me, that's a win. Right, right, right. That's awesome. And then looking at the things that you've done for Harlequin, 
it's so diverse. Like you have like so many <laughs> different types of subject matter and books. And I was like, oh, you know, even though you are um, of Indian descent, you don't just write about, um, I guess, Indian characters um, in a way. But I do see where in certain books that you kind of infuse your culture or have a main character who's Indian. Um, how has that been kind of infusing your culture and and your identity within your writing and, and characters for Harlequin? How receptive have they been to that? Um, for me, they've been very receptive. Mm -hmm. um, the very first book that I pitched, First Comes Marriage, was the, the heroine was from India. A lot of the book is about her struggles with her cultural identity, mm -hmm. with um, issues that she has with her family that wouldn't necessarily be relatable to a lot of, um, you know, people who've grown up in the Western world and don't mm -hmm. have those same pressures and mm -hmm. family expectations. And um, my uh, editor at Harlequin loved that about the book. Um, right. She loved exactly that aspect of it that it was introducing readers to a new culture, that it was introducing them to, uh, you know, a new romance conflict. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, she really, really liked that aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm. I will say, you know, some of the conversations I've had both with my agent and my editors, not just for that book, but for the others that followed, is, uh, you know, how how to incorporate the cultural aspects to make sure that the characters are authentic, right? Right. And how to incorporate some of the gritty or sort of some of the ugly aspects of the culture, because mm -hmm. that's what makes a character truly authentic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I love my culture. There are many, many positives and some negatives that could be positive. Mm -hmm. um, like mm -hmm. what we were just talking about, you know, that academic pressure to be a doctor, right. you know, right. and my parents, had my parents not pressured me, I, I don't know. I may not have been able to uh, make myself the kind of money I make to be able to pursue my dream of writing. You know, mm -hmm. my day job is what pays for my family's roof over their heads and things, mm -hmm. things of that nature. But, mm -hmm. you know, but there are, there are these negative, what can be seen as negative aspects of a culture. And I believe to make a character authentic and whole, you have to include them um, and you have to address them uh, in a book. And so I tend to include all aspects of my, of my culture, the good, the bad, and the ugly mm -hmm. in my writing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you pointed out, I do write other characters as well. As well. I do, don't just limit it to um, Indians. Um, I have uh, one of my favorite books is actually Mending the Doctor's Heart. It is set in Guam. And uh, the hero is Chamorro. He is an island man from Guam. Mm. And that book came to be because I had to go to Guam for work. Mm. And while I was there, I was incredibly lucky to just be able to immerse in their culture. Um, mm. I had a colleague who was from Guam who was with me and her family sort of took me in um, I was able to really um, experience not just the island as a tourist, but, you know, as a, as a native. Um, mm. In fact, there, there was a joke, my colleague who was born and raised there, um, we both went on a sightseeing trip 
and uh, I got the local discount without asking for it because I'm skinned <laughs> and I looked, I looked tomorrow enough. And then when she got up to the line, they asked her for an ID and she's like, what? She yelled at them in tomorrow. <laughs> How dare you ask me? I, I do not pay the tourist rate on my own island. Um, so, you know, I feel like being brown skinned gave me a real advantage because people <laughs> thought I was from there. And so That's they funny. treated me, they, they treated me that way. And it was mm -hmm. amazing. And I got to experience this, this, you know, culture there that mm -hmm. was just incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had that book in my head for 10 years and mm -hmm. I finally got it down on, on paper. So when I write about other characters, I really only write about them if I feel like I have, I know them, like I've right. immersed myself in them, not as a tourist, but as, as, as someone who really has experienced um, the culture, because so many of, of our cultures are so beautiful, right. um, but, but when you see them as a tourist, you don't see them in their whole and, oh, and yes. fully, and you don't understand their ethos. So, mm -hmm. um, so I really try to stick to my own, unless I I have sort of some level of comfort, or I happen to have a character who is based after, let's say, like a best friend who might uh, who might have read read and um, and criticized the character and, and right. told me how to write them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in doing that and in, in keeping that in mind, um, you say I, we mentioned writing the good, the bad and the ugly and Harlequin kind of appealing to like a broader audience. How do you avoid in writing a full dynamic character? How do you avoid maybe putting in tropes or stereotypes or anything like that um, to try to, I don't know, relate? I don't want to say relate to a broader audience, but just you know, for example, I'm African-American. I don't necessarily have to put in something that's, I don't know, stereotypically African-American in, in a book for you to know that that character is African-American. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how are you able to like avoid those things um, and still appeal to maybe a broader audience? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a real struggle. Mm. Um, I hate to perpetuate stereotypes. Mm -hmm. But they exist for a reason, and mm -hmm. avoiding them doesn't address the problem of their existence. Mm -hmm. So I try to address them head on. For example, mm -hmm. arranged marriage is a stereotype for my culture, right? I mm -hmm. can't tell you how many times I've been asked if my parents arranged my marriage because I'm Indian. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, but it's no longer traditional in India to, for parents to force an arranged marriage on you. That right. may have been the case 40 years ago, but mm -hmm. it's not today. Yes, yet it's a stereotype. And I have yes. that arranged marriage theme in um, a couple of my books, but my mm -hmm. approach to it is to openly acknowledge that stereotype and then show them what it means in today's world. So, right. um, so in fact, the, my latest uh, book, which is gonna be coming out in August, the marriage arrangement, <laughs> the whole theme is about arranged marriage, but it isn't, it isn't that classic theme about arranged marriage. It is about um, using an arranged marriage because you have given up on love. It's about using your parents as a global dating service. 
um, to try and meet someone that, you know, that is going to have those same values that you do. Um, So, so I think, you know, when people sort of say, oh, avoid stereotypes, you know, by avoiding them, you're going to keep perpetuating them. Let's Mm -hmm. just address them head on. Let's Mm -hmm. just, you know, in in one of my current uh, manuscripts that I'm writing right now, I actually have an Indian heroine um, and an American hero, and he says something to her, and she turns around and be like, what, you're saying that because I'm Indian? Like, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to call you on this, man. Right, right, um, right. So, so that's my approach to it. But I think the bigger issue is that our books need to go to broader audiences. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I like about uh, publishing with Harlequin and the Harlequin series is that they have this direct to consumer, right? So if you subscribe to the desire line, you get a certain number of books a month. And wow. my books go to people who may not have picked them up in a bookstore or have bought them um, online. And maybe I opened their minds, maybe they hate me, but either way, I got some exposure to right. folks that who may not have normally picked up my book because of who was on the cover. So I think the the broader way to sort of target these stereotypes and these issues with, um, you know, diverse characters is to really open people's hearts and minds and get our books out as broadly as we can. So I, I hear what you're saying. And it seems to me that in working with Harlequin, a, a big imprint like that, I've, I've I've talked to over the series. I've talked to authors who are working with smaller um, publishing houses who are self-published and stuff like that. And some people are just kind of like, "Oh, I don't want to work with somebody big," and so on and so forth. But to me, it seems like a big imprint like Harlequin has been a blessing to you to get this work out there. Um, for like the masses to see and you're not being just stuck in and relegated in some like little offshoot area that's just narrowed down to like quote unquote cultural books or something like that you're just you're able to like reach so many different people um this way yeah. through through their series and things like that and and the name recognition helps yes no ab- absolutely i you know but i think that there's advantages to all types of publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Harlequin series does have certain guidelines and restrictions for each series because they have a promise to their readers about mm-hmm. what each series offers them. For example, Harlequin Heartwarming is Sweet Romance, so no mm-hmm. overt sex in that series. Right. Um, that can be limiting to an author uh, to have to follow uh, strict guidelines. Um, so, you know, so indie publishing and, and small publishing where you have a little bit more um, freedom to write mm-hmm. the story the way you do, I think is also very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think marketing is a big strength of Harlequins. And oh, that's yeah. one of the big reasons why um, I, I write for them. Um, mm-hmm. I have been treated very well by Harlequins. So mm-hmm. um, I'm happy to write for them and to keep writing for them. They've embraced my um, culturally diverse stories. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's, um, I've had a great experience with them, but that hasn't been the case for all authors. And so I think the most important thing to do is to get the stories out there. And, mm-hmm. if in, you know, um, if indie publishing is the path to that, then, mm-hmm. then I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, 
I certainly read, uh, you know, indie works and I, you know, I've gone to small publishers for books right. that, you know, sometimes big publishing doesn't want to publish. Right, 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 right. That's true. That, that's very true. So in publishing with Harlequin and going through the whole process, what's, uh, how did the publishing process um, change your perspective on how the, the business works or how the, the business of writing actually works? Yeah, so I, I have to say that I thought the hardest part was, you know, when I typed the end right. and <laughs> sent my manuscript out. Uh -huh. like, that's just the beginning. That's the easy part. Right. Um, I, I mean, after that, you know, there's developmental edits. Those are the hardest because your mm -hmm. editor comes back to you and says, this part of the book doesn't work or the scene doesn't work or this aspect doesn't work. And mm -hmm. whatever the it is, it, it's like a domino effect because if you right. take one scene out or you take one aspect out, you've got to change a whole bunch of other things. And that can mm -hmm. be really hard to do, um, mm -hmm. especially if it's something that you, you know, really, really wanted in there or whatever the case might be, just, just having to sort of figure out how to make the puzzle fit by taking out a piece still mm -hmm. um, is, is pretty difficult. And then, and then you kind of turn those in and then you get line edits where right. you have to go line by line and maybe rephrase things that don't make sense or, or whatnot. And then there's copy edits. Mm -hmm. um, where it's kind of like, you know, typos, uh, sometimes there's, you know, issues with timeline or inconsistencies, so you deal right. with those. Then right. you look at the cover and the back copy and all of those things, you write right. your reader dedication. And then when the book's finally published, then comes marketing. Oh my God, that is <laughs> a whole other piece. And, you know, again, as much as I appreciate sort of Harlequin and the direct marketing that they already do, Authors uh -huh. are expected to do their own level of marketing, just like right. if you publish indie or just like if you, any publisher expects you to do some level of your own marketing. Right. Um, and that is a lot of work. And, <laughs> um, you know, I love writing. I am not very big on PR. I'm actually really bad at PR. <laughs> so um, that's probably the toughest part for me. But yeah, you know, publishing doesn't really stop with just writing. Um, it's it's a whole lot of work that happens afterwards. Yeah. And with this quarantine and, and COVID situation going on, what is marketing going to look like for you with your new book coming out in August? Because, I mean, if you did meet and greets, are you, how are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to start doing them virtually? Like, are you going to, um, you know, try to do things that don't require like you being in front of a crowd of people if, if that was what you did before like you know what is marketing going to look like for you are you going to rely heavily on like twitter or, or instagram or you know that is a great question so <laughs> i've been watching all the folks that have had uh books coming out in you know march april may they uh -huh. had a lot less notice they had a lot less notice than i do mm -hmm. um you know there's a lot of authors who had events scheduled that i'm sure they put in a ton of work for that just had to be canceled right. um and so i just you know shout out to those authors because that <laughs> is a lot of work that yes. um that went back so i'm kind of following them to see what they're doing and learning from them. As I mentioned, this romance community is just so amazing. Mm -hmm. People are always willing to partner. They're always willing to share. Um, 
So I've seen some kind of Instagram live parties uh, mm -hmm. that uh, take the place of those kind of book events or mm -hmm. uh, book launch parties. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen, uh, you know, a lot of social media giveaways, things of mm -hmm. that nature, just trying mm -hmm. to interact with readers. Um, so I'm going to sort of see if I can copy some ideas here <laughs> because it is, it, it is, it is going to be challenging. It's going to be mm -hmm. challenging for all authors. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things I was looking forward to was seeing my book in Barnes and Noble yeah. and in Target. And um, I'm not going to see that uh, mm -hmm. because they're not expecting uh, as many print runs for the summer books because right. uh, we may possibly be on restrictions. So mm -hmm. um, it's going to affect sales. It's going to affect marketing. Um, but, you know, like we always have been, we'll figure it out and help each other and get through it as best we can. Yeah, yeah. So this community of folks that you have supporting you right now, what, is, what does that look like? The community of people that um, are mentoring you or do you mentor? others or like what does the community of community of writers helping you through this process or community look like for you sure so i um have been to one conference one kind of uh, well two in-person conferences and i met a bunch of people um and we formed facebook groups so mm -hmm. i continue to uh, interact with those writers there are folks that i met through online writing groups Mm -hmm. who um, I interact with. In fact, my critique partner, who's acknowledged in every single book of mine, um, <laughs> author Jane Evans, I met through an online writing community, and then we became kind of pen pals over email. And we send each other manuscripts, uh, provide feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I really trust her opinion on things. Um, I also have my agent who reviews my ideas, my manuscripts, and, and she provides feedback. Um, mm -hmm. I now have an edit, you know, I have an editor that I regularly work with. And so mm -hmm. he's a resource when I need to know whether an idea will work in particular. And of course, he works with me directly on um, the contracted manuscript. Um, I follow a lot of authors on social media and you know, I sign up for groups. So mm -hmm. um, speaking of mentoring, I benefited from mentoring. And so um, uh, Karma Kelly has created this uh, inclusive um, romance project where she asked for people to volunteer to be mentors to new writers. And I signed up to be a mentor. Unfortunately, the um, mentee applications closed on May 1st, but I'm sure she'll do it again. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's, I'm trying to sort of pay forward what I received when mm -hmm. I was starting, uh, starting out. So right. yes, the writing community really includes any at all, you know, other authors, new writers, um, people you mentor, people who mentor you, agents, editors, mm -hmm. publishers, I may be leaving someone out. Um, <laughs> and then of course, folks like you who do these amazing podcasts oh, and wow. invite, <laughs> invite authors you don't know to, um, to come. So, you know, we are, we are all part of this writing community. And, and so thank you for that again. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, finally, what, is, what does literary success look like to you? And what's been the most rewarding thing 
in this process? So I'm very lucky that I have a day job. And so I don't need to write for money. Um, and so for me, literally, literary success is really about how my books make other people feel. Ooh. The best compliment that I have ever gotten is a reader who said that my book made her cry, um, but oh. in a good way. She, right. she wrote me this very heartfelt um, letter, actually paper letter, which, which I kept. Uh, saying that she was going through a hard time and then she read um, one of my books and they made her cry, but it was such a relief to her and it was such an escape um, that she loved it. And that, I mean, honestly, that keeps me going every time I have writer's block. I think of uh, that letter and I reread that letter. Um, for, for me, if I can give someone an escape, um, if I can make someone else feel whatever it is that they need to feel. That to me is my literary um, success. I will get to the point where I need to make money, but right now <laughs> this is the reason why I keep my day job so that I right. can write what I love and right. love what I write. Right, right. That's great. So Sonia, we're coming up on our last part of the interview, which is like a rapid fire segment. And so I'm going to give you like quick questions and you're just going to give me whatever you think off the top of your head. So are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. It's nothing scary. <laughs> okay. Your favorite book as a kid. I think I know what it is. You said Nancy oh, Drew. Oh, Nancy Drew. <laughs> Nancy Drew. Do you like heroes or villains? Like, do you like to like write villains who become heroes? Oh, villains who become heroes. Nice. Um, do you like to write love scenes or dramatic arguments? I'm Indian. Dramatic arguments all the way. <laughs> um, although this is a controversial question, um, because we know books don't always translate well when it comes to movies, and they're both different mediums. Um, what's been the best book to movie you've seen? Uh, I think Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. As a recent yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. They I, I was talking to a friend about that. They're pretty they were pretty close with, with all the things. There was a few things that were not the same, but yeah, they were I read the whole series. So I was like, Yeah, that was that was pretty close. Yeah. I yeah, I read the whole series too, and I thought they did a decent job. Yeah. Especially given yeah. Yeah. So um your favorite place to write. Oh, the beach. The beach. Ooh, I'm jealous now. <laughs> and yeah, I, saw I, I don't get to write there very often, but that is my favorite. You know what's funny? I saw on your travels that you've been to St. Kitts, and my husband is yes. from St. Kitts. <gasps> and yes. yeah, and the funny part is we've been married. We've been together eight years. We've been married five. I've never been to St. Kitts. Oh, you gotta go. Of of course. I'm going, I'm going in December. So <laughs> we, uh, we decided we're going in December. So yeah. Yeah, you, you gotta go. I'm I'm a I'm a island girl, man. I've my husband and I got married on St. John. Oh nice. I've been to St. John. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Nice. Um when you got your advance, what is like the if you wanna share, what's the biggest, most outlandish thing that you bought? 
a fancy laptop. Because advance ain't big no more, girl. <laughs> okay, book reviews to read or not to read? Uh, you read them and you weep. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That doesn't help. <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> the last romance novel you read? I actually just read um, Sonali Dave's Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, and I really liked it. Oh, okay. I, I, I that's on my list. I haven't read it yet, but that's on my list. Um, does music help you write? Yes or no? And what kind of music do you write to? Yes. And I listen to Bollywood songs. They are awesome. Especially the love songs. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, is there a book that you wish you would have written? Oh, yeah. Harry Potter. Because... <laughs> You're the second person to say that. Everybody said, somebody said Harry Potter and somebody else said Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, oh, um... uh, no, no. Harry Potter, because it's my kid's favorite book, and I would be such a hero if I had been the one who'd written it. That's true. <laughs> um, your favorite word to use in your writing? And. No, seriously, I use it so much that that's the most often word that I have to cut. <laughs> and? and? Wow. And. Wow. I, I don't know what, what it is. It's, I, I edit at least, like, I don't know, a million ands out of my writing. I don't know why I love that word so much. I think I put because a lot <laughs> because because so and so I'm like why well, don't have to just, just don't do that I don't know why I do that yeah. but anyway um, <laughs> if your book became a movie any one of your books who would you like to play the lead? Mm, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna name someone who's a Bollywood actor, Hrithik Roshan. So I'm gonna spell out his name H I R T H I K and last name R O S H A N. Google him. Oh my God, he is so hot and he can dance. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. And um, where do you see romance novels going in the next like 10 years? Um, I think that more and more people are going to look for happily ever afters, particularly mm. in the current climate. Mm. And my crystal ball says that we are going to continue to be the biggest genre in book publishing. And mm -hmm. I see us getting a lot more respect than we currently do. Right, right. Awesome. And finally, uh, you answered this a little bit before, but when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the book that you write? I want them to say that it makes them happy, makes them cry, makes them laugh. <laughs> awesome i think you're you're doing just that it's been an awesome 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 interview and i can't wait to pick up your next book in august and um i look forward to speaking to you again and through the twitterverse and everywhere else on social media thank you so much for this opportunity stay well and stay sane i will thank you so much Bye-bye. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Sophia Singh Sasson. She was amazing. Uh, we had a few technical difficulties, but we worked right through them. So thank you so much, Sophia. You have been, you were so gracious. Um, thank you for your time. And I really enjoyed the conversation that we had. Uh, you made me think about a lot of things about 
how travel influences the way we write. And I feel like, oh my God, I need to travel more because you've been everywhere. <laughs> um, so thank you so much to uh, Sophia Singh Sasson for that interview. Uh, her book, again, comes out in August. I look for it in pretty much everywhere books are sold um, under the Harlequin uh, um, heartwarming imprint. Um, as for the watching romance uh, recommendation this week, I have a cute one. It's a it's a romantic comedy. Um, it is Love Wedding Repeat. Um, it stars a couple people of color in there, actually. Um, it's set in Rome, I believe. And it's a, kind of those scenarios of like uh, sliding doors. If you've seen the movie Sliding Doors, all these different scenarios happen. If like a person does one little thing differently. But uh, Frida Pinto is in there. If you know, remember Frida Pinto from Slumdog Millionaire. She's in that movie as well as Olivia Munn. And I really, really um, enjoyed them in that wedding, in that movie. It was hilarious. It was so many hijinks and, and stuff like that. I, I don't want to tell you all any more about it. Just go and watch it. It's Love, Wedding, Repeat. And it's on Netflix this month. So thank you all so much for joining us for Romance in Color. Uh, I will see you all next week when we feature another writer in our Writing in Color series. Thank you and God bless. And again, love to my podcast co-host Yakini up in New York. Stay strong. You all be safe. Talk to you later.